0: Sorry. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala, we seek blessings on the Prophet sallallahu righty Alrighty, we are, what day is this of, of the fasting? Is this day 8? Day 9? Okay. In any case, uh, let us continue our exciting journey through uh, uh, Surah Ali imran and jumping right into the, the second, oh, there was one key point that I left out of yesterday's discussion when we were speaking about uh, Alif Lambeem. And one of the most central points of uh, to take from Alif uh, which was which was hinted, uh, and that is fundamental to your human existence is the issue of the unknown. That you will never not have unknown in your uh, navigation through life, right? And this is uh, also one of the common functions of religion in general, it's to help you navigate and make peace with the unknown. So whether we speak of the unknown as the future or whether we speak the unknown in the context of scripture as meaning or interpretation or application, the unknown is always going to be there. And this is, becomes especially relevant because one of the most common issues that students visit me with is, is anxiety. And so what is anxiety? Anxiety is essentially this uh, psychological slash physical uh, uh, way to deal with the unknown. And so, so part of the goal of religion is how do I, is there a way for me to make peace? the unknown. Now, if we apply what we've said yesterday in terms of alif Mim, a central aspect of it is going to be trust. And what is part of the trust? That Allah knows what is in the unknown, just like we said with alif Mim. And if I need to know, I will be informed. And thus, my trust in the unknown will correspond to my trust in Allah. That if I have full conviction that Allah is going to take care of me, then that is how I will regard the unknown. If I have conviction that Allah is going to test me, which is a guarantee, but I may not be able to handle the test, then that's a statement on uh, a less amount of trust in Allah. Okay. And so that's the next ayah. It's Allahu la ilaha illahu al hiyul qayyum So we have a number of attributes of Allah. So, first, Repeating what we've had before, we have the name Allah, and then we have Ar rahman and we have, I don't know why I'm doing these strange lowercase letters, then we have Ar rahim So, and then also we have that that uh, uh, Al Hamd goes to Allah. Oh. Then He's the Rabb of all the worlds, and then He's the Malik of the Day of Judgment, and then the object of our worship and the object of our help. the source of our help might be better language. Okay, so that's what, those are some of the points that we derived from Al-Fatiha. So now let us add to this. So stop here and then just so you can all see the screen And boom All right, y'all see the Quran screen? Someone nod, make me feel like people are listening. Okay, good. Okay, so we have Allah la ilaha illahu al-hayu al-qayyum. Yeah. And then the next ayah, nazala alayka kitab So he sent down the book, bilhaq, with truth, musaddiqan lima bayna yadayhi. Confirming what is already there, or what is before, what is before them anzala and he sends down a Torah injil and he sends down the Torah and the Injil. Uh, we'll talk about this translation of gospel in a second. Okay. So now, the first thing we're doing is as we go through these, these different passages, the first thing I'd like us to keep focusing on is what do they say about Allah? So this is now starting a new homework assignment, which those of you who, who've been students of mine for any period of time, you're all familiar with this assignment. So, so if you do not do this already, uh, number one, find a translation that you're comfortable in writing with. Uh, if your Arabic is strong enough that you can understand straight from the text, then get a, a mustaf that you're comfortable in writing, uh, writing in, And but there it would be pencil instead of pen. So that's the first step, get a book. Second step is starting from the first page doing uh, a minimum of 20 ayahs a day, underline any reference to Allah. And that includes pronouns. That includes the name Allah, that includes the attributes of Allah, that includes pronouns referring to Allah, any and all. And try to do a minimum of 20 ayahs a day. You're welcome to do more, but try not to do less. If you can do that consistently, let's say for the rest of Ramadan, then increase that to 30 eyes a day. And then each month increase it by about 10. Okay, uh, what is the overarching perusal refinement we are trying to achieve with this homework? Oh, what is the overarching personal? Uh, I thought, oh, mashallah, I thought your increased. Okay, so so first everyone gets the assignment, yeah? That 20 eyes a day, you're underlining references to a law. And so what is the point of this assignment? That we've been conditioned as we go through the Quran first to look for those things that we are supposed to do, which is a very tiny amount of the text. And usually in the process, we will wind up overlooking. So then secondarily, we're often looking just to see, okay, what does it say? Some of us might also look with trepidation. Is it going to say something to me that I'm not ready to to take? But what we're doing with this approach is we're placing focus on the central most topic of the Quran, and that is your relationship with God. Now, if you can do this on a regular basis, uh, you'll keep hearing the six to nine months point from me. If If you can do this on a regular basis, number one, you'll finish the entire text, give or take, in about nine months. But number two, if you can do this on a regular basis, almost daily, it will affect how you also look at things outside of the Quran itself purpose is to have focus when you're reading through the text that fundamentally what is the Quran about it is how do I get closer to God and so as we saw when we we're going through Al-Fatiha one of the first steps in getting closer to God in terms of having a connection to God is to get to know who is he is. and then as you complete that assignment to let me know then we'll expand on that so let me know if that makes sense
1: Yes, it does.
0: And so going back to our whiteboard, so let's now add some of these, these attributes that we have just uh, seen. So we have another reference again to Allah, but then on top of that, now there is no ilah but Him. And you all remember, I think it was either the first or second day of class where we talked about the definition of the word ilah. It's something more substantial than translating it as, as God, lowercase g. And then we have al-hayy, living and al qayyum which would be the, for example, it would be essentially the self-subsisting. Yeah. So here's a question. Um, if we're speaking of being alive, try to comprehend what does that mean or try to explain or speculate, what does that mean when we're talking about Allah? What does it mean that Allah is alive? Any thoughts, guesses? I think the first would be that he cannot be dead. Okay. That's probably going to be the easiest way to explain or to understand the fact that Allah is living, that uh, he is not dead. Because if we speak of, of a divine, a deity, what have you, as dead, so we're not talking about Allah at the moment, but when we're speaking of something as dead, then what does that mean to us? Whether we're talking about a person, whether we're talking about a tree, anything
2: they're incapable of anything
0: so one is fundamentally it's it's the lack of ability anything else and think about this when we even speak about about a dead human being uh, we often speak of a dead human being as the soul has departed from the body that is not in the history of our tradition the only understanding of what death is Another understanding of death is that you lose your ability for animation. Not in the sense of paralysis, that you're, you're losing your ability to control your body parts. Here we're saying complete uh, 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 loss. Uh, Asim and then Dr. Kazi. Uh,
2: I don't remember what I was
0: going to say. Okay. Uh, Dr. Aziz. Uh
3: You, know, you mentioned uh, ability. There's also another thing. Remember... Uh, Quran is being uh, revealed in a context where by far the dominant religious traditions are all uh, based or have incorporated idols or idol worshipping. Mm-hmm. So, In that case, uh, there is at least at the subconscious level a, connect- a conception of God uh, within the human being that God can be fashioned according to our own desires and mm-hmm. if a- is alive, that means Allah is basically telling us, no, 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 no. It's the it's the other way around. You have to fashion yourselves according to me.
0: I think I think there's definitely some truth to that, but isn't it also true that at that time they still had a belief in Allah above Laat Manat in Uzzah? You know, but
3: what I'm uh, but but you are again proving my point because they had belief in Allah, but his conception was according to their desires, our desires.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, part. Uh, would work, and primarily they were speaking of Allah as, as distant. Uh-huh. Um, uh, now, a point to consider is, can we ever escape defining Allah according to our desires, even when we have all these attributes? Uh, but let me come back. Uh, uh, Asim. Um, yeah, I remembered what I was going to say. It was
2: that doesn't alive also imply a sense of sentience, and and therefore, like, um that we need to be cognizant of Allah's sentience as okay, well so
0: how would you define sentience like when we speak of Allah as a sentient being
2: as in as in you know he's able to perceive the things we do r- right and wrong mm-hmm. therefore we need to be mindful of that as we go about our lives
0: so that would be akin to the point that that Dr. Kazi is making that would be an inference that if he's alive Then on top of that, he has these other qualities, right? Right. Any other thoughts? What would it mean to say that Allah is alive? I was just kind of thinking about how, you know, if, uh, because he is alive, he has the ability to create. And so something like, for example, a painter. If a painter is alive, then the painter has the ability to create a painting. Okay. So same point that if we add to the fact of Al-Hayy, that he's Khaliq, he's creator, now he has the ability to create. And, and so what, what's the, 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 the fascinating point here is that it's very hard for us to define what is it mean to be alive in the context of Allah, but the easiest way is in opposition to not being not alive. Uh, uh Sadia and then Ahant and then Asim
4: Assalamualaikum oh, so it's um it's probably not the answer to your question but it's okay. kind of related because I attended a lecture recently in which um uh, the the teacher was talking about Aya um 52 of uh, surah to shura yeah. which starts with wa kazalika ruham min amrina and it it uh, talks about the quran of course and so what he was saying is that quran because it uses the word ruha um, which is an alive thing so it means the quran is also alive okay and um, and also because it's the word of Allah, and Allah is alive, so Quran hence is alive.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
4: um, I didn't hear about that before, so it was new to me. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you can share some thoughts on that and what does it really mean? Because the word ruhan, like ruh, appears in many different places, in many different ways in the Quran and uh, in uh, some translations um, it's called revelation uh, somewhere it's uh, inspiration and i was listening to another lecture in which where they said that ruhan means a command so basically our ruh is also like a command of allah because nobody has really been able to tell what really it is so um, long story short, I was just wondering if you could share some thoughts on that, if, if that's the right way to think about Quran as a lie. So
0: uh, uh, in terms of some brief initial comments, uh, and then we'll come back to this, uh, the, the reflection on, on, on Allah. Um, in terms of ruh, yeah, I mean, there, there are a couple uh, understandings of this. In terms of uh, the ruh being command of Allah, that's coming straight from the, uh, the Quran itself that uh, this was an answer that the prophet peace upon him was given to give to to jews who visited him asking him about about the soul uh, another understanding of ruh is that it's referring to the soul that we are we each have another understanding of ruh is that it's referring to angel jibreel so uh, uh, uh ruh al-qudus um one understanding of that the of the sanctified soul is that this is jibreel a.s. in terms of the quran being ruh that's something that i haven't considered um, so uh, I'd have to reflect further on that. In terms of the Qur'an being alive, however, um, we do have numerous hadith narrations that the Qur'an will be standing up for us or against us on the day of judgment. And, and we could perhaps even make the argument that just about everything in creation has a consciousness. and, and Because we have similar passages about the mountains, about the skies and such. Uh, so then does the Qur'an have a consciousness Uh, I think that would be something fascinating to explore, but let me see what else I can find about Uru being connected um, to the Quran itself.
4: Thank you so much, yeah, Uh, Yeah. I would appreciate that.
5: Uh, Ahant? So, so when we're like, you know, sort of looking at this ayah and like what it sort of means to be alive, um, so could this be like tied to the concept of necessary being? where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is... It's
0: easy, it's easy to to tell when we have Dr. Omer students in the class. Okay, keep going.
5: Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, and, he, you know, he says this a lot. And, um, you know, does this mean that, you know, like, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is necessary and we are not? So like, we're like only, you know, like alive because he, you know, like, you know, wills it to be. But when... Uh, the trait of being alive is associated with him mm-hmm. it's, um, it's more like permanent mm-hmm.
0: so uh, in terms of the idea of, of a necessary being which is sometimes akin to the idea of a first cause uh, but especially in terms of existence that would probably be more well associated with uh, the attribute as-samad like when we say Allahu ahad, Allahu samad. And, and that would fit more in with, with that definition that Samad is essentially saying independent of all, yet all is dependent upon him. Uh, and, and so if you have existence, then it's based on, on, on Allah's existence. But Allah's existence is not dependent upon mine. Okay, nice, uh, awesome.
2: Um, would we also then say that uh, Allah being alive means that all his other attributes are active Mm -hmm. um as opposed so like one thing when we talk about creation in general we talk about generally about stuff that was formed you know a long long time ago and then Mm -hmm. also um stuff that is sort of scientifically explained but uh we don't and and we sort of leave a lot out of the the creation that's perpetually happening. And so like that, and that's sort of uh, regarding his status as uh, the creator, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's the idea that all the attributes are sort of perpetually active.
0: Mm-hmm. So I would say potentially active. Uh, uh, and my tendency would also be again to think of perpetually active itself. But again, that is up to Allah. you know what I'm saying? And so, so what is the goal here it's to it, it, furthering our understanding by way of submission. So we said that if I accept in mean that I don't know what this means, but Allah knows what this means, I've done an act of submission. And so now where's the submission taking place? It's by embracing what Allah is with the effort of removing everything else. Yeah, that's been the common theme in, in all of our answers. It's been to try to define Allah by adding more attributes. And so first we're trying to remove everything else when we're just speaking about Allah is al hayy yeah. But let's pause in terms of the academics for a second. So forget everything that's on the screen, forget everything that's in the class. Uh, this is uh, uh, either a really easy question or a really difficult question. When you are, uh, imagining Allah. So for example, let's say you're making du'a to Allah. So let's say right now you're asking Allah, Ya Allah, please give me X, Y, Z. Can you describe how you are perceiving Allah? Anybody want to try? So if you are making uh, a very, very sincere du'a from a place of pain, Allah, please give me such and such. Or partially paying attention, O Allah, give me X, Y, Z. Can anyone try to describe either what they are perceiving when they're perceiving Allah? If that is too hard, can you try to describe where are you perceiving Allah to be when you are speaking to him or when you are thinking about him? Because all of us through the course of this class for the last 20 minutes have been thinking about Allah as part of this to describe what you're thinking of. Yeah, awesome. Go for it.
2: Um. Yeah. I. I think it's. Uh. It's kind of similar to a parent in a lot of ways, right? Okay. I'm. I'm. You know, in in a lot of cases, I'll turn to my parents for help. Uh, when I when I, you know, depending on what I need, obviously, but uh, in this case, it's it's that, and. Perhaps this is easier for me, but in terms of the where, it's, uh, I can say that Allah is very far away. And that's
0: been okay. easy for me because I haven't lived in the same place as my parents in like 14 years okay. now. Okay. Is but that... even when you're speaking about uh, thinking of Allah as something akin to the way you think of your parents, yeah. Try to make that more specific. Remove the word parent. So you can't use the word parent and you now describe it.
2: Yeah. So, um, uh helper nurturer and uh always willing to give me uh tough love when i need it
0: okay so nurturer helper willing to give you tough love okay so that also i would infer that allah is paying attention to you yes in, okay in a, right. in a unique way right okay
2: uh,
0: In a oh, way. So in a way when you're saying unique way uh, not like any other way, uh, any other example you can think of. Yeah.
2: Not like any other example I can think of, but also not necessarily like he does with anyone else. Okay, got it got, it. got it.
0: To me. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, so not a, not unlike when we were saying that Allah has a unique relationship of Rahmah with you that is different than His relationship of Rahmah with, for example, Noor.
2: Okay. Yeah, totally. And I, I think, I think one one thing that that specifically addresses is uh, if I pray for something and I see someone else has that something uh, it, it makes it a lot easier to not be angry. Explain this point. So it, 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 since my relationship with Allah is unique to me and I'm, if I'm praying for something and I see someone else has it mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't get angry because I know that they have it because that's based in their unique relationship with it. Allah. Okay, I yeah, okay. don't. Okay. So it
0: doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, if Allah given, so if if little awesome, you know, wants a Transformers toy and and the kid next door gets it, uh, Awesome doesn't feel like he's missing anything, even though that kid has it. Uh, probably
2: not true of little awesome, but true of me now.
0: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. All right. So. Uh, uh, and I'll get to Dr. Azi and Saudi in just a second. So, so, Hazel, not necessarily looking at a mental image, it's more trying to describe whatever it is that is in your perception when you're thinking of speaking to Allah. And so, exactly, sort of what, what Asha shared. So, so, that Allah is inside of her. And then I would ask for whatever you want to share, Asha, where? Is he in the back of your head? Is he closer to the front of your head? Is he closer to your lips? Is he closer to your heart? And again, by default, where do you find yourself placing him? And then some of the attributes is that he's all-knowing, all-encompassing, the last resort, very close. Okay, uh, Sadia and the Dr. Kazi.
4: Um, so for me, um, I I imagine like I'm sitting in front of him. He's sitting okay. in front of me, and. Okay. Um, and uh, as a as a really good listener okay. really really good listener who's paying full attention with all the senses toward me mm-hmm. and a spe- specific expression um like you would expect from a listener you know like who is uh, lovingly listening and caringly listening non-judgmental uh, yeah. while listening and and who knows the solution to yeah. my problem. So um, someone, a listener who can listen and do something about the problem. That's okay. what my image is.
0: Okay, so two questions. Uh, how far away is the listener?
4: Right in front of me, like a foot away.
0: A foot away, okay, so, so this is also illustrating the point. That most of us probably even have a location, even a distance. And the second question, and this is, and feel free to take time to reflect on it for yourself. You don't have to answer for us. So, you said this listener who has the answer. uh, What happens when you are speaking to the listener, but the listener does not seem to be giving you what you're seeking? And I mean, take time, you don't have to answer this right now. Reflect on this. Uh, Dr. Kazi. Uh, okay. uh,
3: on a troubling thought Yeah, go that, for it. Um, childhood we've been taught that Allah is in your heart and mm-hmm. I just think that I've never considered him uh, within me it's always external to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how troublesome is that
0: well I don't know that it's troublesome
3: now, uh, is Asim, Asim Padilla
0: No, this is awesome, Charlie. This is a different awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, so I don't know that that's uh, necessarily troublesome. What I'm actually illustrating for each and every one of us is, at the very least, passively, every single one of us is constructing a perception of Allah, and we we're grown we through life. You're thinking, okay, whatever you're thinking of as a law, that's, if that's how you've been perceiving a law for decades, you may not realize the fact that you've actually probably invented this. And so we're going to add some more to even for each and every one of us to alter what we're perceiving. Uh, Acha and then Hazel.
6: Asalaamu Alaikum. My kids well, are quiet today, so I can talk. Perfect. <laughs> um, I think that, and I think it might be because I am a revert and I grew up as a Christian. Mm -hmm. I think because I grew up, you know, learning that, you know, God is in your heart. God is inside of you. I think maybe that's why I have that because listening to the other sister talk about that, you know, it's someone that she talks to like in front of her. Mm -hmm. I've never thought of him as being, you know, someone that is physically by me. He's always been someone that's just within me. And. Even if I'm laying in bed, praying, I'm always looking, I may be looking to this guy, but I'm talking in my head because to me, he can just, he's in me. He mm-hmm. knows my thoughts. And sometimes when you enunciate things, it doesn't come out the way you want it to. So to speak to him quietly, I just feel is more understanding, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. So if you want to share, um, you said you were a Christian before. What were you? Were you Catholic? Were you Protestant? What were you?
6: Um, no, Baptist. Baptist, Southern
5: Baptist, yep.
0: Okay, because I was gonna say this sounds much more uh, Protestant than, than Catholic, but okay, okay, thank you for sharing. Uh Hazel.
5: As-salamu so awesome. so along along the lines of, of Asha, also um because I was Catholic converting to Islam, it was really hard to not picture Jesus as, mm-hmm. as the drawing. And so over the years, the way I um the way I talk to Allah or feel like where he is it's almost like a whisper Mm -hmm. um like very close you know very close to our jugular vein but I I, it's he's around but I can't see him Mm -hmm. so what I act so I the reason I was asking about mental image is because I actively look to the sky Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll actively go by water um to to talk to Allah in like a very different way and and Hajj time in particular for me, it's like I know Allah's there and is a in a whisper, but like I'll look to the sky and be like Allah is lowering himself to the lowest heavens. I hope he sees me. I know he sees me here, like my lights on. I hope he sees me here. So for me, it's 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 a little coupled with such an intimate relationship that he knows me, but also I still look, uh f- it almost still feels far away and mm-hmm. and I I struggle
0: with. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Basit says sitting on a throne like Thanos, okay, but sitting on a throne. And so what I'm understanding for what you're saying, Basit, is is, uh, uh, the sense of Allah being authoritative. And then Angie says, I see him as all around me, mostly above, and I perceive him as one who is constantly handling everyone's lives, yet... He turns to me when I call upon him or seek him. I would raise uh, the same question, Angie, uh, that I raised to, to Sabia, is that when you're making a dua and it feels like it's not being answered, how does this change, if at all? This, again, this is something you don't have to share with us. This is something for you, uh, for you to reflect upon. Malahat. as
5: Wa as-salam. I have a counter question that, is if and in, in order to someone to know us it has to be inside us okay no, it's a question
0: oh you're asking I mean that's uh, if we're speaking about Allah I mean that's uh, I think the the answer is is anything yeah. So so I think the the
5: belief system we have is or like the way we grow up mm-hmm. back home South Asian, Indian continent mm-hmm. that you know Allah is close to close to us all the time Mm -hmm. every time and he's watching over us Mm -hmm. that's the concept we grow up into so so picturing so picturing him into that is inside us is pretty hard yeah that might be new
0: for you yeah uh i suspect for for many who are are coming from the Indian subcontinent uh it's especially this consciousness that allah is witnessing and uh maybe from even above or maybe even from behind or something, but Allah is witnessing everything with varying levels of approval and disapproval. Uh, so, uh, okay, a few more people. Let's see, uh, Asim and then Sadia and then Angie or Angie's phone. So, Asim. Um, so,
2: you said that these these all these things that we've said are things that we are ascribing ourselves. Yeah is that necessarily a bad thing?
0: Nope. Okay. I don't think you cannot have it. Right. And, and it's, it's the only way for us to be able to cultivate a relationship that we understand, right? It's a starting point because uh, I'll be giving uh, uh, a small exercise in just a moment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's an important point. Uh, even though we're saying, even though I'm, I'm emphasizing that this is something we each have invented for ourselves, it doesn't mean that it's bad. This is, the vessel through which we are speaking to Allah. It's our imagination of Allah is to whom we're speaking to in our attempt to reach Allah. Uh, Sadia and then Andy's on.
4: Um, So yeah, I would like to answer the question that you raised um, about uh, if the problem is not solved. Mm -hmm. So over the years, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, I have understood that Things are not going to get resolved the way I see them. And it has happened where, uh, you know, things that I wanted to happen, they happen in a different way, but they did happen. Not immediately, often, you know. A year two years later but they do somehow so it also strengthened my belief in the dua you know in okay. the in the value of dua and talking to Allah Ta'ala. and so I when I am talking to him and imagining that he can solve all the problems it's not with an expectation that he will solve it tomorrow or although to be honest to you there are things that have happened to me like if I'm like on the road or on a train or something and I'm getting late to work and I'm saying oh please get me to that place on time and it has happened and Mm -hmm. it just made me fall into such that literally I mean I'm Right Even there, the, the zipper Avenue, of
0: my... we have sadly, as we can doing Sajda in front of everyone. Yeah,
4: go ahead. I'm sorry, keep going. Yeah, so <laughs> like, you know, uh, the, the zipper of my jacket was stuck and I'm like, what am I going to do now? I'm going to be so cold. And I pray, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, please, um, you know, let this happen for me. And it did. And so, yeah. you know, it just, um, so over the years, I have had this experience that it is wrong for us to, Expect an immediate response from Allah Taala. He will do the best way, and He will answer it, and He okay. does. And okay. so, okay. so Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Um, it took years to cultivate, but I feel that I have gotten that understanding now.
0: Okay, Mashallah. And so then, the question I would pose, and again, you don't have to answer this for us, and definitely not right now, is is so. What I'm hearing is that. Uh, when you make requests for law, uh, you don't have the conviction that it'll be uh, answered right away, but you do have the conviction it will be answered. Can you say honestly to yourself that it's a hundred percent conviction that it will be answered? And then uh, and reflect on again. You don't have to share with us, uh, but it's a question for you to reflect on. Uh, Angie's phone.
7: Um, hold on.
0: second and well, while that uh asha is saying uh i also realize sometimes he waits so long to give me what i want i don't even want it anymore okay fair enough so maybe he makes this wait to show us that it may have been something you wanted then uh, but where i have brought you to this is not a, a want for your life anymore okay uh okay. yeah go for it go for it angie
7: um i'm gonna share this as a kind of asking when you ask the question what do we think when it's not answered yeah it goes a lot for me It goes along with the idea that I think of him more externally so it's kind of in relation to I feel like I have to work so hard I have to pray so hard I have to ask so hard with like so much sincerity you know um, in order for it to really in in order for him to finally grant it you know Okay. Okay. I I guess I'm asking like I know I'm not saying is it right or wrong to think that but Um, And I think that in response to your question, like what if he doesn't, because it's like, he wants us to seek him, he wants us to turn to him, right? So if I'm just putting that effort, like almost to the point where I'm tired and asking, I feel like that's what he wants. And so, and and, and I I just want to share too, that it's so interesting. Everybody said like, he's inside, he's inside. And I only think of him very externally, very like, you know, uh, I know he has the verse and everything, but. Uh,
0: when you say externally, how far is he from you?
7: You know, up in the heavens, you know, okay. and, okay. and sure you know, and, um, and all around and so big. And so, you know, that we can't imagine about blah, blah, blah. but like, my point is that, like, is it right or wrong to think that it's not so much that he's not answering it, but he wants to see us keep asking and keep okay. really, you know, try hard.
0: So I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer these points a couple of different ways. First, no, it's not wrong. Uh, I'm not saying any of the depictions that any of you have shared or have about Allah are wrong. I mean, unless of course you're saying that Allah is Jesus, then we have to have a conversation, right? And so, so uh, but the goal, however, is to figure out how to do two things. One, how to make it more honest and two, how to make it better is in the same way, a couple of classes ago, we were having the discussion about suffering. And I was suggesting that much of what we say to ourselves about suffering is not honest in terms of how we feel when suffering is happening. This is also the case in which, uh, and it's even more important in terms of how we think of and speak of Allah, especially how we speak of Allah. Because everyone in this, in this room has had the experience of their prayer not getting answered. If there is someone whose prayer is always answered, much hello, then maybe you should be teaching the class. But the point is, uh, moving back to how to speak honestly uh, uh, about Allah. So everything you're all sharing, uh, let me add this whole point about being honest, that sometimes when our prayers are not getting answered, we will create alternative explanations. So a common explanation we have in our community is Allah is only going to answer out of his wisdom, which is our polite way of saying, okay, you shouldn't feel bad if your prayer didn't get answered. And and so so the call the call today is the first part is just to try to even figure out what you what you perceive of and so Jewel even shared uh, I don't think I can perceive the best I can describe how my words are heard is that it's internally might and then and then Jewel also shared uh, uh, and thank you for sharing I feel abandoned when it's not answered that I think is also an honest feeling that many of us probably have more than we acknowledge it doesn't mean that you have to have that. But the goal is first to figure out as honestly as we can with ourselves what we perceive of when we perceive of Allah, and then how to improve upon it. So, all of you, whatever it is you're perceiving of when you're perceiving of Allah, now add this thing. Okay, ready? Whatever it is you're perceiving of, whether it's location, for lack of a better term, or personality or attributes, now add that Allah is pouring mercy on you. Add that to your understanding of a law. Does that change anything? That mercy is being poured upon you. What are your thoughts, Austin?
2: Awesome. I don't think it changes anything. Okay, uh, for me, I think for, for me at least, it's that's uh, probably been part of my understanding for some time now at least okay so so i think that's makes sense right um
0: yeah all right okay anyone else if you emphasize whatever it is you're perceiving of that it's beaming with mercy towards you doesn't change anything like, Ahant, in terms of how you're picturing, understanding, depicting, perceiving of Allah, uh, does it change anything? Or Basit, you know, when you're depicting Allah uh, as being on a throne, but beaming mercy towards you, pouring mercy upon you.
4: I can say.
0: Yeah.
4: Um, I think I, I mean, as I'm picturing right now, I think I would feel even more um gratitude okay just gonna I um, yeah, um, I'm picturing myself uh, bowing down further if I'm let's say if I'm sitting, then I'm just bowing down because of the heaviness of the mercy and blessings and okay. so I think I'm feeling that it's gonna be more gratitude okay.
0: And so, but the test is, are you, I mean, again, you don't have to share this with us. Are you actually feeling more gratitude? This is part of the challenge. Anyone else? If we, if we say to add that Allah is pouring mercy on you. Hazel, Jewel, Asha, anyone? Nibia? I feel like it going to be hisses. I feel like it doesn't change except that I still keep him external. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Asha?
6: I think it might change it if I feel like I need the mercy. Like okay. if I'm going through something and I feel like I need the mercy, then it might change it. But if I feel like I'm not going through anything, I don't think it changes.
0: Okay, okay, fair enough. Anyone else? Okay. What about, and it's akin to what uh, Asha just shared. Let's go back to the whiteboard here. When we speak of Allah as categorically saying no ilah but to him. If I say, try to increase your feeling of dependence on him. So now we're not talking about what you perceive of in terms of Allah. We're talking about what you perceive of yourself. Does that exercise change anything?
4: Do you mind repeating the question again, please?
0: So I'm saying increase psychologically in your imagination, increase your sense or feeling of dependence or increase your sense or feeling of powerlessness, thus needing him. We all think
5: so. This is something that, um, somebody who is a control freak, I unfortunately am of the mentality where I'll make the offer something and I'll keep going at it, and then I'm like, Allah, did you hear me? Like, we, we good, did you hear me? And I feel almost, um, it's, it's, it's tough because I feel. Like a disappointment like mm-hmm. so that i can never do right by allah
0: okay okay and and so so thank you for sharing that hazel and so so you are getting uh, uh, you are appreciating part of the point here that we're making is that that is our own construction even though what you're sharing is is a hundred percent honest and so then the challenge is how do we then improve upon that and so okay. Anyone else? Any other thoughts in terms of increasing your feeling of dependence? As far as feeling powerless, I feel like I'm not taking enough means and expecting too much for, for what I deserve. I think I mean what what you shared, what Hazel shared, I think is is actually a natural feeling uh, that, that many of us do go through. Okay. Hazel. So, Hazel, it's
2: hey, uh, you know what, Hazel? My mom, my late mom, even on her deathbed.
0: So, do y'all know who uh, who Omer's late mom is? Uh, Omer's late mom, may Allah have mercy on her, is a late, great Mary Ali, who is is one of the the, the greatest. Hazel Hazel knew my mom. Thank you. Thank you very much.
2: So, even on her deathbed, like the day before she passed away, she essentially said the exact same thing that you just said. Mm Wow. like awesome. literally and that was
0: you know if you knew my mom you would think
2: wow there's no way like she wouldn't feel like she's not good enough or hasn't done enough in
0: terms of like worship and for the community so mm-hmm. yeah i hope that like, uh, decades you're in good company hazel okay. thank you for sharing that all okay so so what was the point of of this exercise first we're looking at what the text is saying, uh, and right now the text is speaking about Allah and it's giving us additional attributes. And then, second, we're trying to really, as precisely as we can, identify how we perceive Allah. And considering that that's an invention, it is not wrong, but it is our own construction. And I'm not asking you to abandon it, although, as you get closer to Allah, uh, it will be modified. But then we added some exercises. What if you add this attribute of Rahmah? Or what if you add an attribute to yourself of need? What if we add Al Qayyum to it? Where we're saying, Allah does not need me. That he's perfectly fine in full existence on his own without any need for me. any, any experiences? Any thoughts? Any reflections? I think uh, maximize your brain power.
1: I'm going to pipe in here. I'm not if it's okay. Go for it, Asma. Um, yeah, I've got two things about. I apologize. I'm just not processing as quickly as I'd like to, so yeah, I'm a little delayed. Yeah. Um. The the conversation a little bit before of the utter dependency, I think Mm -hmm. you were asking about, um, uh, I think this is like a real reality, um, as a mom, you know, recognizing that when you have children, you know, there is an utter dependency of, I think for me, Allah comes also through my children is all I'm trying to say. And Mm -hmm. when you have children, um, you recognize that dependency of Allah uh, preserving their well-being and their life, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what actually one of the biggest struggles as a parent, because you want to control, obviously. Um, and you you don't, you never want to lose your children. May to protect them. I mean, um, I mean. so so there is that dependency. And then my one, my youngest daughter who has health issues, uh-huh. um you know, there's a constant recognition of that. It is he who protects her. Right. And, and that's difficult to let go. Um, And then the conversation of, you know, I, I can see my internal self at times battling of like saying to myself how much even during, especially now with Ramadan, like how much more fasting, this is so exhausting. Why do we, you know, like, and then I thought, no, Allah doesn't need this. Like, mm-hmm. I have to literally tell myself that this is not a need, that it's, it's not, we're not doing it because he needs it, right? And so that, that was my reflection on,
0: on. No, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, be able to tell but I you. wonder
1: if yeah. that's from an ego perspective, right? Like, so it's like, I, I, I know, I think it, you know, I know I think of like, how much more does Allah need? How much more, du'a, how much more sliam, how much, and then mm-hmm. I have to tell myself, no, it, it, we're not we're not doing i don't do this because he needs it
0: so uh to answer your point about the ego perspective if we're speaking of that in the negative i would not uh suggest that it's uh something in the negative right uh that all of us have our means of trying to perceive of Allah, and the goal with scripture and then by extension inshallah through these conversations to figure out how to improve and strengthen all of that so thank you for for sharing and mail give uh, health to all of our, our, our children and those whom we lost melatella put them in the highest levels of paradise uh asin and then malahat and then nur um yeah I, I
2: think for me the idea that allah doesn't need me in theory it should just increase my gratitude right
0: yeah but yeah exactly you're saying theory but what is the actual feeling
2: well, I don't know. I've never, I've never thought about it like this before. But, okay. but I mean, that should be the approach it gives me, right?
0: Could be. I, I should be more... For me, uh, the perspective that Allah has no need for me uh, is also a type of relief. But, uh, uh, there's a type of irrelevance that I have. Now, when we're adding the fact that he is giving Rahmah, uh, there's the gratitude that comes from Rahmah and also a forced perspective, of course, shift that whatever I'm perceiving of Allah, I'm perceiving kindness. But when I'm adding that he is Al Qayyum, he is existing with no need for anyone else, including myself, then for me that's actually a sort of type of relief. Let's see, Malahat and then Sadia. Or did you have your hand raised too? So I have a, so my question
3: is about the, the comment yeah. you just made about construction. Yeah. So so two point is that uh, the construction will have a base of so much learning and adaptability we have in our past. Sure. So how to unlearn, right, mm-hmm. the negative connotation so, or yeah. the second portion is, sorry, the second portion is that, you know, if we, if our construction is on the right Foundation, then how to elevate mm-hmm. where we are to go to the next level.
0: So that is what I'm suggesting is 100% the exact purpose of the Quran and the Prophet peace be upon him. And so, so unlearning, we'll leave that for for Yoda and his language, but transformation of our of our understanding is part of the process. So think about it this way: we could have looked at this line. Allahu la ilaha illahu al al qayyum, and spent four seconds on it because we all already believe that Allah, there's no God but Him, and then He's alive and He is self subsisting. But we've now spent 40 minutes on it. And, and so, what I'm suggesting is usually when we're reading the Quran, all the passages about Allah are the passages we fly right past because we already know it. But we only know it as a concept. Now we're actually trying to really, really embody it. And that's how the unlearning or transformation is happening. So, let you me know if that makes sense. Uh, Sadia and then Andy's phone.
4: So, um, so, if I'm doing the exercise again on my own, uh, does it have to be step by step, the things that you added uh, gradually, or it can be any step? Like you asked the question first and then you asked us to add, if Allah is boring mercy, and then add, you know, my need, my neediness, and then add that mm. he does not need me. So mm. do you think that it would make any difference if it's shuffled around or it should be done in that way?
0: I think uh, uh, it could, uh, considering all the different sutras speak differently, that we can use different orders. And uh, had I thought that the class was ready on day one, when we were speaking about the Rahmah of Allah or day two, we would have done this exercise back then, but I don't think most of you would have been ready for the exercise at that time. That you literally had to go through Al-Fatiha with me to even get to this point, to start doing this part of the exercise. And so what I would suggest is pick a surah, even a small surah, like at the end, and then go through the step-by-step process of every component that the surah is mentioning and try to internalize it in the order that the surah is giving. I'm saying, no, you don't have to do it in that order. But if you do it in that order, we're assuming that there is some wisdom there. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you. Yeah, sure. Uh, Andy's phone, where'd you go? I'm on mute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
7: hello? Yes. Okay, so it's me and Mahmoud, okay? So yeah, yeah, we figured that out, it's, yeah. it's so interesting because we, we, actually, we just shared just now, and we actually have opposite reactions I think they're opposite to what you just said about um, when you realize that God is not needing you, then you feel a sense of relief. Mm-hmm. So you say yours.
2: So what I believe is uh, when when God doesn't need me, that that changed my perspective of my relationship with him. Okay. In a way, it doesn't become... Uh, uh, it's not sure. Like right? God needs me to pray for him, for example. Like I bet uh, it becomes something that uh, it's not needed from both sides, but something uh, uh, I don't know how to describe. it you like, said a partnership. Uh, Yeah, a, par- a partnership rather than like ownership from God toward us as a, as a bad, you know. So mm-hmm. that's how I how I see this higher communion. Mm-hmm. Um, and
7: yeah. then for me, yeah, here I go again thinking like. I don't know why I'm thinking this way, like as if it's um, a big ladder that I have to climb and do so much, put so much effort to be kind of worthy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so when you say like, so when you said that, that was my reaction, like God doesn't need you. Great. So then I have to like do so much more to mm-hmm. kind of get to that level. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
0: And so this is partly the uh, an answer to Savia's question from a moment ago. This is why we began with Rahma first before getting to this. That first, imagine he's pouring Rahma on you. Okay, so now let's put those two together. He's pouring Rahma on you, yet he doesn't need you. Yet he is voluntarily giving you all of this 100% focus and attention. Charming. And so reflect on on what that does. Okay, we're literally almost out of time. Uh, uh, Okay, so so finishing this off, looking back at this ayah, what is this ayah saying? That Allah, there is no ilah but him, which means what? That here we have Allah and number one, uh, I am completely dependent upon him and he is alive, and he is completely independent of me. So take some time further putting all of those points together, ayah two of Surah Ali Imran, and add that to how you're perceiving of Allah. And then tomorrow, inshallah, we'll add ayah number three. Alrighty, and so you all understand the homework assignment. If you have any questions, uh, uh, send me a note. And I'm still, every day I'm updating the, the recordings and the whiteboards and such. On, on the Google Doc, and um, if you still need that, just send me a note, and I'll send it to you, inshallah. Okay, uh, so if you, excuse me, I have to run. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha ilaha anta, wa natubu May Allah ta'ala you all, inshallah. Wassalamu alaikum wa
2: rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.